0: Welcome to another episode of the EvokeCast. I'm your host, Scott Johnston. Today, I'm going to be discussing something that I've been grappling with for the past 15 years. It's front and center in my life every day. It's unavoidable, and I've resolved that there's really nothing I can do to fix this problem. There's just coping with it, or not, and that is the decline in my endurance performance due to aging. Having just had my 70th birthday a few months ago and having been an endurance athlete since my early teens, with several of those years competing at a fairly high level, makes me an ideal longitudinal study of the effects of aging on endurance performance. So I'm using performance here, the word performance intentionally as a qualifier, actually more like a quantifier for endurance because it's only by comparing performances that we can actually, as we age, that we can actually see and understand the topic of the, the today's uh, talk. And that is, why do we get slower? And especially slower over long distances as we age. In this talk, I plan to compare my own N of one study with what the scientific literature tells us about aging athletes. Through most of my life, fitness was something I just took for granted. I was pretty much always ready for and successful at any outsized challenge that came my way. I really never gave a second thought to it. That's part of the problem. We learn through experience. What that meant for me was that for almost 30 years, 30 really formative years of my life, there was really nothing I didn't feel capable of tackling. Because I'd never experienced either being unfit or the effects of aging well even at at 60 i didn't really have any idea what it was going to feel like to be 70 years old and i'm sure i can't imagine what it's going to be going to feel like to be 80 either there's no question that we'll we'll all notice a depressing decline in endurance performance as we age when this decline becomes noticeable what causes it and most importantly what if anything we can do about it will be the major points i want to hit on today it would be easy to just give up and, quote, unquote, act your age, like most middle-aged and older folks do. Our culture gives us innumerable blameless excuses and off-ramps that we could take to avoid physically taxing ourselves. You no doubt have seen friends and family members who've taken that path of least resistance. After all, <clears throat> we're going to all die in the end anyway. So why don't we just live out of our golden years in ease and comfort? Since you're listening to this, I suspect that for you, just like for me, those are fighting words. To simplify this discussion, I'm going to divide the limitations to endurance performance into four categories. It's important that we recognize that these are intimately in, these categories are intimately interconnected and to some degree interdependent of one another. But still, it'd be helpful if we examine those things, these things independently. So the first of these four categories I want to deal with is the heart. Our maximum heart rate inevitably declines as we age. It's very common for elite teens to repeatedly hit a maximum heart rate of 210 and even higher during an interval workout or competition. On the other hand, it's almost unheard of to see a 70-year-old with a maximum heart rate of 170. In my own case, my maximum heart rate is about 165, and I really need to be super rested in order to get to see that number. It would also not be possible for me to hit that same maximum heart rate repeatedly in, a, in a, the same workout like I, I was able to do through all the way through most of my 30s when my maximum heart rate was about 185. So why a heart, lower heart maximum heart rate has a negative effect on endurance performance is that your heart is able to pump less oxygen carrying blood per minute to the working muscles. The total volume of blood slash oxygen the heart can pump per minute is called the cardiac output. It's a product of the heart rate times the volume of blood pumped in each heartbeat. The, that single amount of that single beat amount of heart blood of blood from the heart is called the stroke volume. Even if your heart stroke volume stayed the same, say from 30 to 60 years old, your cardiac output would be decreased because the other part of that formula, your heart rate might drop from, let's say, 190 to 160 um, during those intervening 30 years. That's an overall 15% decline, which means a 15% decline in cardiac output, which which means by in turn a 15% decline in oxygen being delivered to the working muscles. The situation is usually worse, though, because the stroke volume usually drops with age too. So both components of that formula are affected. It usually drops because we do a lower volume of training and less high intensity as we age. <clears throat> Even if you had all the time in the world, and most of us don't due to family work, and, family and work commitments, you don't recover as fast. The result of slower recovery is that you just can't get as much work done in a week or a month or a year. And less training stimulus means less training adaptation and the benefits that go along with those adaptations. The end result of all this is that an athlete's maximum aerobic power, expressed as often called the VO2 max or max VO2, it declines by about 25% between your mid-30s and your mid-60s. One study I read found this to be the case even for world-class master runners who trained the same volume they had been training when they were younger and the same amount of the same intensity as well. But that situation rarely happens for the rest of us, and so the decline tends to be even greater than that 25%. You may have also noticed, as I certainly have, a decrease in the responsiveness in your heart rate to an increase in exercising intensity. Turns out this is also connected to your reduced maximum heart rate. Slow heart rate response is due to an increased parasympathetic nervous system activity and a decrease in the activity of the sympathetic nervous system. In one study, the drug drug atropine, which increases heart rate by blocking the parasympathetic response, raised the heart rate in young men by 25%, but only 10% in older men. So this is pretty much baked into the the equation for us. And that very same study found that the increase in stroke volume during ever-increasing exercise intensity is smaller in older adults than in younger people. So those responses that your heart used to make when you were younger, it just can't make those anymore. Um, So the the decline in stroke volume can be partially attenuated by the use of high intensity interval training. Alas, there's really nothing you can do about the decline in your maximum heart rate. The next thing I wanna talk about, the next thing on my list is the loss of muscle mass. So there's a Greek term for this, it's called sarcopenia, which translates to directly to poverty of the flesh. I don't speak Greek, but I looked this up. Anyone who has ever had an injury that required them to wear a cast or a brace or otherwise not use a limb for weeks at a time has noticed the dramatic atrophy that takes place in the immobilized limb. The difference can be especially striking when you remove that cast six weeks later and you compare you know, one arm or one leg to the other. While sarcopenia is usually gradual enough to not be too noticeable between the ages of about thirty and fifty, when you're when you stay active, muscle wasting begins to accelerate after about fifty five years old. And sarcopenia mainly targets the fast twitch fibers, which is why strength drops off so much faster with when you begin to see this atrophy in muscle. Um, what causes it is typically a drop in high resistance or high force production activities. So weightlifting would certainly be one of those high resistance activities that most of us would think of first. Um, but sprinting, jumping, plyometrics, those are also effective power, strength and power building methods that will um, slow or even cease sarcopenia depending on your age or genetics and the volume of that kind of training that you do. Another cause is the decline in growth hormones like testosterone, human growth hormone, or the insulin growth factor. Um, again, not much you can do about that without some kind of you know artificial um, stimulation, which has their their own. All of which have their own uh, side effects. Um, another item that I want to just touch on is the loss of the connective tissue elasticity. Um, this is primarily in tendons. Um, this elasticity of the, of the muscle tendon system returns free energy, just like a spring does when the tendon is stretched. This free energy is what allows you to jump higher, run faster, be bouncy when you were younger. Um, and we lose that some of that elasticity as we age. Um, we also become more injury prone because of that la- loss of elasticity. Um, <clears throat> again, the causes of that can also be, you know, the reduction in high force activities like running, bounding, sprinting, jumping, you know, all of which are connected also to sarcopenia. Um, and if you also, if you've ever had, um, a tendon injury that, um, that has caused the repaired tendon to have a high percentage of scar tissue, um, and, you know, serious like tendinopathies, um, tendonitis, that sort of thing will result in scar tissue forming. And that scar tissue does not have the same elasticity as a healthy tendon. So the tendon responds, it doesn't act like a a normal healthy tendon um, after that happens. <clears throat> but I do want to come to the fourth item where there's actually finally some good news for us, um, and that is that the mitochondria in your muscle cells remain very responsive to training as we age. This, so this means that your muscles' ability to utilize the oxygen that is delivered to them by that aging heart with its lower cardiac output barely declines at all in endurance athletes that continue to exercise at a similar volume that they did in the previous decades of their life. Even better news for those who have not engaged in a lifetime of endurance training is that mitochondria respond almost identically to exercise as it would in a younger athlete. So don't despair. This is an area where you can make huge gains. And it's one of the reasons we focus so heavily on this type of training in, you know, explain the physiology of it in the books and on the website and have talked at great length about why this stuff is so, why this type of training is so important. Um, but, and the fact is that most of us aren't going to be training at the same volume that we, that we once did. But if we did, if we were able to do that, turns out there's almost no loss. The number of studies, actually maybe two studies I ran across showed that there was no loss in aerobic capacity, um, in athletes in their uh, mid sixties between what they had been in their mid thirties um and these are people training at essentially the same volume that they trained at all those for those 3 decades so that meant this was no drop in their pace at their aerobic threshold so that's really good news for us and I'll explain why in a minute and similarly there is a very a much smaller percentage decline in the speed at those same athletes anaerobic threshold compared to the huge drop in the VO2 max that I mentioned earlier, which was 25% plus. So by keeping up your volume and intensity of your training, you can dramatically slow the decline in your sub-maximum endurance performance. Why this is such a good news for us is that most of the athletes listening to this podcast are involved in endurance events that last from a few hours to a few days. These need not be races, although, Ultra running and many schemo races fit that pattern. But so can a day of peak bagging in your local mountains, a, let's say a backcountry ski touring hut trip, or climbing an 8,000 meter peak. All of these, competitive or not, fit squarely into the intensity range where the mitochondria, the ability to recycle ATP aerobically, is the single biggest limitation. And that's what we can continue to train. So don't forget about those lowly mitochondria. So a few takeaways that I've gotten from the studies I've done and the, the just noticing how my own body reacts to this is you can't do anything about your declining heart rate. So it's just a waste of time to fret about that. Um, you can do something about the declining stroke volume. You can include some high-intensity interval training into your program so that the heart muscle is forced to expand and it will develop a higher stroke volume. Remember the discussions I've had in the past about interval training and what what high-intensity training is really useful for is stressing the cardiac muscle. And so that it becomes stronger and it, it will eject a higher volume of blood with each stroke. So there is a place for that for high-intensity training. But remember that this high-intensity training is a supplement to, not a substitute for a high volume of low-intensity aerobic training. Another bullet point I want to touch on is that muscle, wa- muscle wasting can be slowed and even reversed by engaging in what is known as hypertrophy training. So this is the type of training that bodybuilders do to gain muscle mass. And it will work for almost anyone. The problem with it for endurance athletes though is that it's very time and energy consuming. You have to work the targeted muscles to exhaustion many times in a workout in order to get the hypertrophic effect. So that would involve doing many sets of 10 to 15 repetitions where you would induce muscle failure in each set, meaning That's the inability to complete another repetition. The time and energy that this takes that you would be expending will leave very little of either time or energy for the other endurance training you need to do. So it's just not a practical method of strength training to gain muscle mass. Um, So I think you put that one aside. I think there are other better ways to gain strength, um, or to, to, excuse me, to um, reduce sarcopenia. Um, so doing powerful and explosive exercises using your own body weight and gravity um, so can do a lot to stop muscle wasting. The added benefit of those power type explosive exercises is that you will be training power, which is a much more sports specific quality to, to any sort of propulsive activity like running, climbing, or skiing by sport specific I mean that it's more useful for you as an athlete so including include into your training program exercises that, that have impact loading in them these would include running jumping bounding sprinting hopping jump rope even you know anything that impl- that causes your body to have impact the, the ground um, heavily will inc- that will both increase um, your tendon elasticity and your bone density so these things all work together Um, the volume of training does still matter just as much in old age as it did when you were young. When it comes to endurance sports, there's very strong correlation between those who do the most work in training and those who perform the best. Being more muscularly powerful with more active muscle mass will allow you to move faster at low to medium intensities. This, this definitely will give a bigger endurance stimulus to the mitochondria and the working muscles and will create a higher demand for oxygen, which will be met with an increase in your stroke volume. So adding in some of this power training um, with you know, these jumping exercises, can be you know bounding hill sprints, a lot of different ways of, of doing that um, will help you build that muscle more muscle mass. It'll help you activate the muscle mass you've got which will then allow you to run faster even at your lower intensities, which will give a bigger stimulus to the heart and the mitochondria. So overall, this is a win-win. The only thing that we're really screwed out of here is that we can't fix our declining heart rate. These takeaways should illustrate how these four components of endurance are inextricably linked, even though I've been discussing them as if they were independent of one another. In conclusion, I must, it must be said that none of us will be immune to the effects of aging when it comes to declining endurance performance, sad as it is to say. Like most things in life, we need to make the most of the hand that we've been dealt. Dealing with aging is no exception. But I hope that my explanations here today have helped your understanding and given you a few tools that can you, you can use in your own training to at least slow that decline. Thanks for joining me today.